Hey, welcome back, friends. Ed Harold here with you, my Life with Breath expert series. Today, I have the amazing Adam Hart with us. He's a great transformational coach, and he's going to share some of his wisdom, knowledge, and experiences with us. So hopefully, we can live a stress-free, abundant rest of our lives. So welcome, Adam. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, you got a great spirit. I'm so excited to share you with our audience here today. Before we begin, let's just start with a meditation if we could. So if everybody could just sit up tall, sit up tall in your spine, sit up tall in your mind, and if it's appropriate for you, let your eyes close and become aware of these amazing gases that you're breathing through your nose, through your brain, through your body. Just begin to make the transition from your surface mind to your deeper mind. And just let the surface mind rest and reach inside your deeper mind with each breath. Notice you begin to feel good. I like myself. I like my life. And what does it feel like to slow the breath down and be fully present in a relaxed, focused way with your deeper mind? Notice how easy it is for us to be us when we're fearless, when there isn't any self-doubt, there isn't any guilt or guilt's friend, shame. And just take another breath or two and refine that inner mind's ear and eye so that the information that you're going to pick up in the next few minutes of your life, not only comes in through your ears, but comes in through the body. Silence is not the enemy. And when you feel ready to come out of it, just deepen your inhale slightly. When you're ready to lift that upper eyelid up, notice what happens with just two minutes of focused breathing, closing the eyes, going from the surface mind to the deeper mind, and knowing that a deeper mind is always available to us this whole ride of our life. Mr. Adam Hart, look at all the light in and around you. Mm. So how are things? <laughs> yeah, things, you know, it's, it's that never-ending exploration into, like you talk about the surface mind. What are the triggers? What are the patterns that it's denying us access to the deeper wisdom that's available. You know, being able to work with the moments of our lives to nourish that mind so that it can let go. So you can feel the emotions that are available in the present moment and let that guide how you get to live. And so I appreciate that beginning, um, you know, creating that kind of presence and awareness is, I mean, that's the game, isn't it? The, it always holds a deeper connection to our own abundance. So thank you for that. Yeah, you know, life's never boring when we have <laughs> access to the deeper mind. Hmm. So mm -hmm. you're doing a lot of amazing things for folks across platforms, super powerful guy. You've cultivated mm. a bunch of skills to help people live a more abundant, happy, healthy, wealthy, healthy life. So, you know, What's going on with Adam? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. And you know, my, my, 
my background is in nervous system regulation in terms of being um, a leading expert in what does that actually mean and how do we get unstuck? And I primarily work with parents knowing how we're up against it as parents and the daily grind, the daily have tos, the endless things that are coming up against us, whether it's our finances or our relationships, our career, our own health. I have my own background of having that burnout moment in my 20s. You know, being pre-diabetic, diagnosed ADHD in my teens, lacking a connection to a loving father, so snuffing my own emotions out and not wanting to feel hurt. And so all the parameters of how my mind functioned around feeling guilty and feeling the low self-esteem, self-worth. I got very lucky. I discovered breathwork. You know, I, I, I discovered it through a sport that taught it to me. And really? That, that sport was rock climbing. Oh. and oh, so my rocks well it's it, you know and it's not an adrenaline based sport mm-hmm. uh, a lot of folks look at rock climbing and think well it's just really high adrenaline it's not it's actually a self-actualization sport it's a mm-hmm. sport that allows you to spend hours and hours and hours a day working with the regulation of your own nervous system and if you don't you could die so you have to manage your fight or flight stress response Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I grew up being told all these different ways in modern society that, hey, Adam, you're ADHD and you're overweight, you're pre-diabetic, you better get on a diet, you better get on another fitness program, you better get on another meditation, you better start a yoga practice, you better start medication. It's like, oh my God, okay, I tried it all, nothing is working. So I had that surrender moment where I was able to give in to my mind and say, okay, mind, whatever you're up to. I don't have the answers, so I'm letting go. Mm-hmm. And that's when climbing showed up. And climbing showed me another way to do this. And that way was through optimizing my own response to the things that were happening in my life in the moment that I was being disrupted. In the moment. That's oh, so great. That's so great. And, you know, when you think about rock climbing, I think, of, I mean, I'm not an expert at it, but. I just came back from a hike up in the Wasatch at 10,000 feet. Mm. And, you know, my mind is very technical. Mm. It, it understands, you know, risk, reward, uh, pleasure states. Uh, you know, I placed a challenge in front of myself. And I look at that challenge therapeutically as a way of cultivating knowledge. Mm. Is, that, is that close to what you're experiencing? Yeah, I think what I was experiencing was a way to work with the things in my life that were creating anxiety that nobody ever told me I could work with before. So I spent, I I got addicted to climbing. It became my addiction because it was the only thing that made me feel happy inside. Because, you know, you climb and you're breathing and you're connected Mm -hmm. to nature and there's all this beautiful peace and calm that that comes and presence is really ultimately what you're cultivating a relationship with. But what it showed me was that I was actually able to work with the anxiety in a way that, yeah, my Ritalin that I was given as a teen, it's like, well, why didn't somebody tell me I could just regulate myself through my own breath? Nobody ever taught me that. So what I did was, as I, as I discovered this through climbing, I said, okay, What's another area that I'm very anxious? Maybe I can shift my brain's relationship with it. And the first one was my sugar addiction. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, I can reset my nervous system when I'm climbing. What if I can reset my addiction to sugar Mm -hmm. and transform my brain's use of sugar? And it immediately, it worked. All I was doing was in the moment, I was utilizing my breath, a very particular practice that Mm -hmm. recentered and brought me back into my parasympathetic nervous system and taught my brain that it was safe and didn't need to use the triggering thoughts about sugar anymore. It gave me a whole other way of approaching that anxiousness and that desire to have something shift. And the more I did it, the more I realized, well, there's a power in the utilization of our nervous system in the moments of life we're being triggered in a way that gives us back the ability to be at peace and be calm and work with the present moment as the place we get to live our lives from. That's beautiful. So well said. So this nervous system that we all have, every animal on on the planet has 
somewhat of a nervous system. Uh, it's debatable whether ours is the best. <laughs> but uh, when you think about nervous, when I think about the nervous system, what I think about is communication, mm. internal communication, the ability to communicate with myself, make decisions, stop if I need to. You know, the nervous system is this amazing. It's so sensitive. It's like an orchestra. Yeah. And, you know, how do we get it all flowing in our favor, Adam? <laughs> That's the key, right? And and I love how you describe that. It, it, it's the, the, the all-encompassing communication channel for all of life internally and externally. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't know that what's happening is a constant relationship between our brain, the nervous system, and the heart, if we don't know that that's what's happening, we're just living... Mm-hmm. based off of the 70,000 thoughts that we have every day. And that's what we have on average is 70,000. The brain loves to pattern those thoughts into things that produce a trigger. It's not mm-hmm. the brain's fault. It's a survival organ. So mm-hmm. it's designed to look for the things that create stress because stress creates adrenaline. Adrenaline is the surge of energy for the brain. Mm-hmm. And then you fix your life or escape your life with a habit that predominantly creates dopamine. Mm-hmm. That's the social media, the sugar, the alcohol, pornography, shopping, gambling. Those are all parts of the brain also looking for the voltage of the brain, which is the dopamine. Mm-hmm. And so yet here we are, you know, and this is my own experience as I've, I've created this whole internal dialogue through my own brain mm-hmm. that I've been giving into reacting, reacting, reacting to without creating a separation from when we regulate that, when we learn these patterns of our own mind and we, work with one or two of those triggers and we utilize the nervous system to reset our own mind and bring ourselves back into our heart, back into the parasympathetic, you change the way you communicate with yourself. Mm -hmm. You change the way you feel. You change the way your mind performs. You change the way your body performs. You become less inflamed. You become more hormonally balanced. Your craving shift, your mitochondrial energy is completely different. Your mm-hmm. focus is different. Your motivation is different. Your clarity is different because your brain is actually working now. Mm-hmm. And it all comes from working with a moment in life where you're training your brain to let go of a particular pattern that you're not happy with anymore. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that you came to your body, made friends with your body, and then it appears that the brain then allowed your mind to transform things that were just going around in the head earlier. And you, you use climbing, you use breath, the environment got you into this body. And you, what does that mean? Like in our, in our line of work, like in the body, how to, how to, know, what's I your know. definition of that? I know. And it is such a strange thing to hear. And, and I know growing up, especially as a man, it's like, well, that was never part of my language. And right. You know, we're taught from a very young age to not really feel and to, you know, and stop your crying and don't be a crybaby and man mm-hmm. up and all that language. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I definitely own that and didn't know how to feel. It was part of that emotional blockage as a child who had stress around their parents. And now I don't know how to feel. And all of a sudden now you're starting to reset your mind's use of that block. Yeah. And as you learn to reset your own nervous system through your breath in the moments of life that you're feeling triggered and you train your mind to let go, you start to feel something and you're not quite sure what it is, but what it is, is presence. Mm-hmm. You're bringing peace to your mind. So your mind's not focused on the two quadrants that it loves to live in the past and the future, mm-hmm. the depression and the anxiety. All of a sudden you're using your breath in the moment to be present And that has a feeling to it. And the feeling for me in my experience and having done this work for 15 years now, it's a body experience. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to explain to somebody other than it feels like you're in a state of fulfillment. It Mm -hmm. feels like you're in a state of growth because that's what it is. You're alive. Right. Would you like to lead us on a little breathing? I would love to. Yeah. So the breath practice that I, uh, and we know there's hundreds of breath practices, but the one that I discovered was again, through climbing, I kept doing this rotation of 
four in, seven out, four in, seven out, four in, seven out. And it was on the third one that I recognized the third four in, seven out that it really dropped me back into this beautiful state of presence, the parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. And what I recognized was the key to this was having a very clean rhythm. The more it's clean, four in, seven mm -hmm. out, four in, seven out, four in, seven out. It just became the number one way to train my vagus nerve to be toned in a way where my nervous system was on my side. Mm -hmm. My brain mm -hmm. was on my side. And I had more of, and it's not about control, but I just had more ability to live my life the way I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be excited to, um, to share that with folks. Now, the breath practice I call, it's called heart flow. It's based off of heart rate variability. So Wonderful. we put our hand on our heart. Mm -hmm. If you have the capacity to close your eyes at the same time, awesome. If you're driving in the car, I used to have a lot of road rage living in Toronto and closing your eyes is not the ideal. But if you're in a moment where you can close your eyes and connect to the breath of your heart, that's beautiful. And we'll do four in, seven out, a rotation of three times, and I'll count through it. Now, on the in, it's beautiful to use your nose as the primary. And then on the out, whatever feels comfortable, out through your nose, out through your mouth. And what you're looking to feel is just a connection to feeling more peace, calm, and presence. Mm -hmm. So if you can let all the air out, and then I'll begin on the inflow. One, two, three, four. And out, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And in, two, three, four. And out, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And in, two, three, four and out two three four five six seven and then just take a moment to feel what presence feels like in your heart and connect to the the power of who you really are works every time it does work every time all right and it provides immediate results which is so beautiful now what i want folks to be aware of here is <clears throat> adam's teaching you conscious breathing you're consciously paying attention to that four count inhale and you're consciously paying attention to your seven count exhale now once you've mastered that four and seven and you can do it seated then you can apply it in something else in your life, like mountain climbing or going for a swim or a bike ride, whatever it can be. So you can do many things at once. So the first thing is learn the technique without any extra stuff on the brain. Then take the technique out on the road. And then you've opened up a whole nother level in your brain, in your body, in your nervous system where you're doing more, but it appears like you're just being. So we stop doing and we become a being again. <laughs> right. And I love, I love working with parents with this because then you start to be in a space of co-regulation for your kids. You can actually be present for your kids in a loving way where they feel the energy of your nervous system and your presence and you're not so reactive to them. And that's what they need from us. Yeah, I can't imagine being a parent today with teenagers or, or young kids and, you know, all the uh, foolishness that's going on in the world, all the silliness. And, you know, how do we hold it together, you know, as the leaders of the family, you know, some days you just have to be the smile for the other one because they've temporarily lost theirs, even though you're not in the mood to do it. So I think it's so cool that you work with parents rather than, you know, you work with, you know, uh, one side of the family or the other, because one's going to get their awareness raised so much higher and the other one is just going to stay where they are. Yeah. So it's important for the family to grow together, yeah. both parents and the kids yeah. feel that. 
They do, you know, and they're up against it right now. There's a lot of things coming at kids that create a lot of internal anxiety and fear and uncertainty. And so somebody's got to be able to hold an energy that provides a feeling of being safe and being loved and being connected. And it's not the words we say, it's the energy coming from our nervous system that represents that. Are you in your parasympathetic as your dominant way of being, or are you in your sympathetic, your fight or flight? Most of us are stuck in a fight or flight looping pattern and don't realize there's actually some ways to support shifting that. If we get out of the need to always fix and always do another program of some kind of diet, of fitness, of this, of that, we've got to use our breath as the primary access at first. Train yourself to be at peace and at calm with how things are. Then you can start to explore the other areas. But this is our foundation. Our, our breath is the foundation for living at peace. Yeah, everything on the planet is breathing. You know, whether yeah. we are aware of it or not, everything that's alive is breathing. You know, everybody on the planet's taken one breath at a time. I don't know anybody who's taken two breaths. So, <laughs> right. so there's no rush, right. you know, with the breath. And I think it's great, you know, for folks when, if, when they have that four, seven breath, if they begin to notice that that seven number is getting smaller, that there's a physiological, physiological shift, there's a psychological shift, the amygdala of the brain is turning on, the vagus tone is going down. And when you begin to notice, like if you consciously breathe four and seven, over a period of time, your subconscious is going to do this for you without you thinking about it. That's it. So That's the goal. If you see the seven number shortening in time, notice I've been triggered. What mm -hmm. have I been triggered? There's a big difference between fear and danger. If there's mm -hmm. not a bear in the house, chances are there's an opportunity to shift because yeah. you can't fix stressful situations unless you've been triggered. Mm -hmm. In other words, you can't fix stress unless you're stressed. <laughs> yeah. The, the and the thing, we, well, we've just become so numb to it. We don't realize yeah. that that's you know, we're kind of a low grade or high grade constant fight or flight. So we don't even know we're working at a fraction of our mind and body potential until we learn the difference. And when we do, wow. I mean, it's so magical how you get to show up for your kids. You know, you wake up in the morning, the kids are screaming and yelling. They won't get out the door the way you want them to. And you're being triggered and they're being triggered. And there's very little fulfillment in that way of living. Uh, you have kids, right? I do. They're nine and 11. Boys, girls, younger boy, older girl. How do you teach them to navigate their nervous system being nine and 11 mm. in 2023? How do you do yeah. it at? So you don't mind sharing. Well, listen, I think it's the most magical thing we can do as parents is one, regulate our own response to them, mm -hmm. not be a source of reactivity that their brain is learning from. Mm -hmm. And two, giving them the knowledge to what you're actually doing because they feel it. They feel my peacefulness. They feel my calmness. They gravitate to that as any human being would. It's the connectivity to another human being, especially a main caregiver. They're mm -hmm. on me with the most loving energy possible when I create this space. And so in that, I have the opportunity to now express in my words the same frequency. The same energy is being produced in the words I say. So when I share with them, hey, guys, how does this feel? How are you feeling? Are you feeling really present? Aren't you feeling really calm? And they're expressing this back. I feel really, really happy. I feel really connected. Great. This is why. This is how this is working. Why do you crave the phone right now? Why do you crave the sugar in the cupboard? Okay, mm -hmm. let's learn from those cravings. Don't just react. Right. So for us, it's a lot of discussion around bringing consciousness to the choices that are showing up so that we're not being reactive in our actions, but we're being right. conscious in our actions. Right. Responding rather than reacting. Right. And it's, and it's not perfect. We're not, it's, you know, you can't be a restrictive parent in this day and age where they can't have access to McDonald's once in a while and they can't have the processed food and they can't do the TV screen. You have to give them that kind of access, but at least you give them, the power of knowledge and right. your present nervous system to engage in it where they become the better human in that interaction. Otherwise the brain takes over and it, and it locks kids into the addiction of those things. 
Especially when you look at the age of nine and 11, you know, when we begin to leave the present moment a little mm -hmm. more than we did when we were five or six, and, you know, the mind have a tendency to wander and, and go into the creative mode. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes it's not so great, but not forgetting the body really important for kids today. Well, you know, most of us have had those moments as kids where we've had a stressful experience <clears throat> and we learn to numb ourselves from feeling those emotions again because they're hurtful. Mm -hmm. And so even us as adults, we still have an underlying snuffing of our own emotions because it was a self-defense mechanism when we were kids. And so if you don't teach your kids to feel safe in their own emotions now, they become emotionally stunted adults. Right. And that, right. that just leads to more reactivity in adulthood and more future generations of kids that don't know how to work with their own emotions. So and it, and it's, a, it's a lesson that needs to be learned at a young age. These are just emotions. It's energy in motion. That's it. And what is your That's level it. of awareness? That's it. And utilizing your breath as the primary access you know, my kids know it's never going to be anything else that they know. It's always the breath is first. I'm not going to tell them you got to be eating this way. You got to be doing this kind of exercise every day. We're going to meditate. Now we're going to do yoga, guys. No, it's always the breath. The breath is your access in. Then we cultivate a relationship with what shows up that further supports the feelings we like to have. So meditation yeah. as a family becomes easy versus it has, we have to do this to get somewhere that my brain's telling me we have to get to. It's more like, no, we're, we use our breath to create ease and peace and presence. And everything we bring in comes from that energy. It's well, so well said. You know, I looked at your website and I think some of the pillars were environment, human connection, mm. sleep, nutrition, breath, movement. I mean, mm. that's just these pillars. Yeah. Uh, how to produce curiosity and growth and learning as we kind of unwind yesterday and move into today and make tomorrow better. These pillars are great. How'd you come up with that? Well, it was coming from my own experience of where I have been disrupted in the past. And so we know that the foundation for us, and you can think of the house analogy, if you build the house built out of straw, well, it's mm -hmm. not going to work out really well. And so- right our life experiences about our nervous system. That's our foundation. We have to nourish it and learn to live in the parasympathetic version of it. Then, then you can look at those other pillars. You can look at your sleep. You can look at nutrition. You can look at your fitness movement, your relationships, your environment around you. And you can learn how to subtly increase the ways that those can help further support your ability to feel really amazing every day. Mm -hmm. where we have it backwards in society is we tend to look at those first. Mm -hmm. We get unhealthy because of the stress response. We don't realize it. We get inflamed. We get maybe weight gain or brain fog or agitation. And then we look at perhaps a diet, which is under the food side, or we take some sort of supplements so that we can sleep better. But yet the disruption is coming from our lack of a nourishment of our nervous system and our brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get that on side first, and then we look at those other areas and learn how we can enhance our everyday experience after. It's so well said. I love your phrasing of the word, your wordsmithing. Hmm. It's, it's really uh, someone, everyone can grasp this to, to some degree, which, which is great because communication is key right now. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, and there's also an element of it where, you know, when we start to look at all these beautiful areas of our own health and wellness that we've heard are important, they tend to focus on a lot of restrictive approaches or eliminating approaches. And my whole method is to start looking in terms of what can I add in? What can mm -hmm. I add in on the nutrition front that further makes me feel happy and energized? What can I add in on the sleep front that just makes my sleep a little more higher quality? Mm -hmm. without being so centered on things that give more fuel for the brain to optimize the fight or flight response. Because everything that the brain experiences in relation to the fight or flight, it's learning from. And it's trying its best to lock you into reactivity to that 
because it knows it's going to get the adrenaline it wants from it. Right. So if we don't play a conscious role in everything we're choosing to do and noticing, like you were talking about earlier, noticing how you're feeling in the moment, am I feeling more triggered now? It's coming because you're now not optimizing your breath response to it and your nervous system is being triggered. Your brain is happy, but your body starts to hurt. And it only comes from the one place. You got that right. So I'm, as a nervous system specialist, I have this amazing analogy I want to run by you. Mm-hmm. So we know the thoracic diaphragm muscle, which is the primary breathing muscle and posture or number one muscle in regard to posture and movement. But we know it only has one motor nerve, the phrenic nerve. And it's such a small nerve for a muscle that's huge. So amplifying that phrenic nerve, making it stronger, gives us more range of motion in the thoracic diaphragm muscle. In other words, we have more potential energy. Respiration Mm. will improve. And when respiration improves, digestion will improve. So we'll eliminate waste faster. Mm. So if we can amplify the phrenic nerve for more energy, more energy to be us. It takes a lot of energy for us to be us. And when we're low energy, (laughs) we're probably not as much fun. So we have this phrenic nerve, which creates energy through the movement of the diaphragm, this plunger. And then on the other side, we have this vagus nerve, which calms us down. Self-regulation, resiliency, the ability to downregulate. So we've got these two nerves that play such a huge role in everything. And we don't hear a lot of people talking about the relationship between energy, frantic nerve, mm-hmm. down regulation, vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's an interesting one. Why isn't this more well known? Why isn't it something that's taught to every child in school, how to play with their own nervous system. It's, it's, it's the human superpowers. Right. And yet we're not taught how to optimize it. I mean, I had to put myself in extreme fight or flight scenarios to learn this. How many people want to put themselves in extreme fight or flight scenarios? Not many. And it's the reason why this whole cold thermogenesis craze is happening. It's because it forces you to regulate. That's why it's so popular now and everyone's jumping into cold water. Good Mm -hmm. for you. That's great. But there's so much more powerful to what everybody's experiencing that they don't know the full extent of what that actually is. The more we can find ourselves in these positions to push the limitations of our own mind, we'll then have an opportunity to play with the powers of our nervous system in the ways that we're meant to. Exactly. You know, when we think about the word transformation, what, what's your definition of transformation in 2023 at where you are right now in your life, Adam? Yeah, it's definitely shifting from a cerebral fix, fix, fix mindset into one of being able to recognize that you are the transformation, but it's a present experience. It's now. It's not somewhere you need to get to. You have it available to you now. You just don't know how to tune into the frequency of that power. And so the transformation is the ability to understand it in the present moment. That's transformation. And we're, we're trans, transforming perceptions, projections, the past, the future. What is it, what is it encompass? Yeah. Well, essentially at the core is it's the, the transformation of your own relationship with your mind, mm-hmm. with the way your brain operates learning that you're not your mind. You're not the 70,000 thoughts that have been looping in your mind since you were a child. And your brain has continued to learn from the stressors of your life. That's not who you are. Mm -hmm. And so as you learn to work with the patterns of your own mind, the ones that create a stress response, and you train your brain in the moment it's using that stressor, you can teach it to let go. And as you teach it to let go, what you find is the transformation is right here, right now. It gives you access to who you really are in the present moment, who you choose to be and who you want to feel like. And that grows. 
the more you do it, the more it just becomes a stronger place, a stronger flag in the ground. This is who I am. This is who I choose to be. And the only reason why I'm not this is because my brain is blocking me from fully owning it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's an old spiritual saying, the mind will be the last to know. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you dive into yourself and you begin to remember who you really are. Mm. And you begin to forget who you thought you were. Yeah. And that accountability mm. on some level coming from the body, being present, it just feels so good. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so empowering when you know that there's actually steps that you have taken that fit your busy life, that don't create the same stress response and are giving you a result immediately. There's an inspiration that comes from that that then it becomes this game of just battling. And I say that mindfully, the word battling. Then it just becomes a game of working with your own mind because your mind starts to notice, oh, wait a minute, you're not triggering to that anymore? Right. Uh, okay, I'm going to make it a little bit louder. Right. Uh, right. Then you got to be disciplined, practice, practice, practice again. The brain is so efficient. And the beautiful thing is it will stop using a triggered, triggering thought if you stop reacting to it. Right. You just have to be consistent with teaching it to let go. And then that's where you have this extra space opens up. Your brain stops using your kids as a source of a trigger. Boom. Whoa. Now you're in a much healthier, more vibrant version of you. You have more space to live from that place. And then you find another trigger. Oh, I'm going to work with that one now. Boom. The brain lets go. You're now in more of who you really are. And everything starts to show up in a beautiful way that supports that version of you. Beautiful. You know, Adam, if I hear you correctly, I, I believe you're teaching a deep level of accountability for ourselves, whether it's good thought, bad thought, whether it's good feeling, bad feeling, pain, perception. You know, you're asking us to own all of it. Hmm. Is that correct? Well, I think at the core, it's just knowing that you have a choice. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to, but it feels so darn good. So if you have a way to access the feelings of being fulfilled and being purposeful, and you know you have a way to do that, that's not smacking you really hard up against the head like another diet and another fitness pro and i'm not knocking those things but that's not the answer to start with mm -hmm. but there's an actual easier way to do this and you get motivated because you you feel so good because you're able to work with your own nervous system this way that's a choice that's important you know you have and most people don't know they have that choice and that's unfortunate like myself i was put on medication from a young age for my adhd and you know, I was given lots of medication for my, my pre-diabetes and, and, and uh, you know, told I needed all these different modalities to get healthier. And nobody mm -hmm. once ever said, whoa, hey, Adam, maybe you want to just start learning how to work with your nervous system and train your nervous system to be at peace. Nobody ever told me that was a possibility. And so I, I think just knowing you have a choice is important. That's what this is. Yeah, you know, it's you have a choice or your brain will choose for you based on who you thought you were yesterday or 10 years ago. Yeah, or who and, it's trying to get you to be five years from now. And that's not right. You know, there's no reality in that. Yeah, it's a great story that we all have. We all love great stories in our heads. And, you know, we get caught up in these imaginary figures and then we catch ourselves and we take a breath and we come back to the present moment. You know, we all know that, you know, God wins in the end. Hmm. Going to get what, what he or she wants. You know, all is forgiven. All these missteps and misperceptions that we, you know, just attack ourselves. You know, we really don't like ourselves that much anymore in this world. Collectively, hmm. we can obviously see that by all the, the health markers of stress. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, folks have a tendency to be stubborn. And how can we help folks use that stubbornness in a good, healthy way? Mm, yeah. 
Well, you know, there is an element of this. And I think Tony Robbins, I've heard him talk about this idea of you have to get so disturbed with where you're at. When you're stuck in your own mind, it's going to come with symptoms. And you just mentioned that before. You're going to have symptoms from the stress. And what tends to happen is we get the symptoms. So the symptoms are twofold. There's the mental symptoms and there's the physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. And they present themselves in different ways for different people, but they're going to be very similar in your brain fog, your depletion, your exhaustion, your emotional swings. That's the mental. You're going to have the, the physical of the aches and pains and the lack of energy and the inflammation and the cravings and the poor quality sleep. Those are the mm-hmm. symptoms. Okay. Well, you have to get to a point where you're so disturbed about those that it motivates you to take the right action. Mm-hmm. Your brain is going to try and use those to keep you stuck in trying to fix those. And that's modern society showing you that that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to perpetuate your suffering because your brain is looking at you trying to solve one of these symptoms and saying, Oh, I know the stress this is going to cause. Awesome. Get stuck in a whole round of diets now, Adam. Let's go. Go on another diet. Go, go fix this by doing that. Go fix this. It's like, okay, that's not the answer. The answer is giving your nervous system the love it wants, and it will do everything for you. It will show you the way in. It'll show you the feelings that you're after in a way where it heals the symptoms because it's going to manage the way your brain is using the stress against you. And if that doesn't motivate you, that's a choice too. You're happy to go off and try and figure it out by continuing to be on a path of trying to figure it out great, but you're only going to manifest more of the energy of needing to figure it out. If you get motivated for creating presence as the place you live from, that's going to show you the opposite. How do we get out of our own way and live our finest life? Hmm. The key, there's twofold. One is the key is your own nervous system regulation learning to regulate your own response to how life is unfolding. And the other one is being in a community with others who understand how they are also contributing to your regulation. Mm -hmm. So your regulation automatically puts you in a space of being able to co-regulate others. It's our natural way of being. We've lost touch with this. We now are very isolated, live very lonely lives, very reactive with our close friends, family members, community. It lacks a lot of energy around co-regulation. How do we all feel at ease together and inspire each other? So one fold is you have to have the right tools, the right system, the right support, but then you also have to have the community around you who's doing the same work with their nervous system so that you're linking together Mm -hmm. in the quantum field, the universe, God, whatever we want to call it, so that we're all lifting each other up energetically. And when you have those two together, it's pretty hard to have your brain deny you access to the full potential in you. Now, do you have any advice for folks who, okay, they've, they've had a relationship with uh, someone for a long period of time and, you know, I've chosen to uh, start a meditation practice, become less uh, disruptive, to be more centered and focused and have more of a spiritual presence in, in my life. And then we have this relationship where the other human being has chosen another path. Hmm. Do you have any tips for folks where relationships are, have hit a wedge or there's a cavern where uh, growth has stopped? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is one of the fun parts of, uh, of the work I do. Yeah. Because One, and it's because it's always going to be us who have to be the main point of focus. It's easy for the brain to say, well, it's them. They're not doing it. They're, they're doing this all the time. They're, you know, and then it creates the resentment towards the other. How come the other one's not practicing? How come you're not motivated? Like I'm motivated. Why aren't you doing it the way I'm doing it? Why can't you be more like this? And that's your brain learning and using your partner or that significant other or whoever that person is as a source of stress for you. It's an opportunity to regulate your brain's trigger to that person 
in trying to hope and wish that they would be something different than they are in that moment, it denies you the ability to use your nervous system energy to help co-regulate them mm-hmm. into a space of your regulation, your self-love, your connectivity to being very present in the moment. It's an energy. Co-regulation is an energy. And so if you wish somebody else to be doing something different, and a lot of my clients, this is a large part of our work, is their partners are their main trigger. And they become very resentful in certain scenarios when it comes to their partner. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing the same work I'm doing. And they're always loud when they come in at night and the kids are trying to sleep and now they're loud. Why are they always loud? Why can't they respect it? Mm-hmm. And I come down in the morning, there's dishes everywhere. They don't respect me. These are patterns of your own mind. And so it's important that we work with those, get your brain to not use what your mind is telling you about the other person, create peace, create calm, bring the energy of what you do want and how you do want this to feel. And then when you're in the presence of that person and you're regulated in your own nervous system, that gives them the possibility to feel that energy. And for many of our partners and our kids and our colleagues and our community are this is the first time they've ever had access to a nervous system that's regulated in this way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you feel it so the the form of communication on the planet primarily is thought and we have thoughts and sometimes we put words to thoughts and we speak them out into the environment other times they're just internal thoughts what we've been talking about for the past space is something totally different called feeling emotion. Mm -hmm. How does feeling and thought interact in our mind and how do we harness these two forms of communication, knowing that thought really is the primary driver of how we feel, how we perceive, how we interact. Totally. And a majority of them are coming from that subconscious pattern. They have very little consciousness to them because of the patterns of our own life experience and the brain locking us into ways of thinking about that. And so everything we think, everything we say has a frequency to it, has an energy to it, goes out into the quantum field, universe, God, again, whatever we believe in or want to call it, it's real. And so if we don't, have a connection to the energy behind what we think we don't have a connection to the words we express we're going to miss out because we're, we're we're not we're not noticing how the expression of those thoughts and the words are then translated into what is still coming back at us in all those areas of our lives it's going to have the same energy to it And so when we learn to regulate our mind, have more critical thought, lead how we express ourselves, which comes from the parasympathetic. In the fight or flight response, your brain, your frontal lobe is shut off and you don't have your executive function. So you don't have critical thought. It's the biggest problem in modern society right now is the lack of critical thinking. If we have more critical thought. Yeah. Well, when stress levels go up, we know IQs drop like a rock. And that's the majority of the population, you know, all the billions of people we have across the globe are stuck in a moderate or high grade fight or flight stress response to their own lives. Yes, it's being induced from their environments, their governments, their media and all those pieces. But it's also because they don't understand how to regulate their own nervous system and their own brain's use of using thoughts to keep us stuck in the fear and anxiety which only manifests more of that. So when we learn to regulate the moments, we can shift the way our thoughts are being produced because the brain actually becomes in a deeper, more loving, nourished relationship with the heart through the vagus nerve in a way where it's your parasympathetic that starts to communicate more often. And the actions you take are coming from that place versus the reactive state. It's beautiful. So well said. You know, when we think about our breath and how it interacts with our five sense perception, which is creating a narrative in our brain. And then we have this brain, which is just conscious, subconscious, unconscious, and they're all communicating. 
and we look at it like some diagrams are like an iceberg where the conscious brain you know it's just what we see is so <laughs> small and yeah. you know the the subconscious basically runs the show for most folks yeah and then underneath that we dream at night and we have this collective unconscious how does it all make sense adam <laughs> the meaning of life you know I, I will say that I'm after one thing and one thing only. I want to feel good. I want to feel great. I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel happy. I want to feel excited. I want to feel motivated. I want to feel driven, passionate. That's what I'm after. Mm -hmm. And so I know that where am I on that percentage of where my iceberg is? I don't know. I know where I used to be compared to where I am now. And where I am now there's a much larger part of the top of the iceberg that's exposed. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where that is, but I know that I like feeling good. And I know that if I regulate my mind in terms of how life is unfolding and I'm conscious of my breath and I keep bringing peace and calm and presence as my primary state of being, everything works out so freaking well. And I feel really well. If I let my brain take over and it likes to try where I would be lost in that for months and months and months in the past. Now I can get lost in it for a day, maybe two days. It still happens, but there's no way it can lock back in to the same extent that it once did. And that puts me in the winning category. It's amazing. You know, the transformational process now that you've gone, you've gotten on the other side of so much stuff, mm. you begin to notice that what you're saying yes to now, years ago, you were saying no to. Mm. And what you were saying no to years ago, now you're saying yes to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this amazing thing that wakes up inside us. And you have more energy and more capacity and more critical thought to take action that makes sense to how you're feeling. It just keeps manifesting on itself. So your motivation keeps at a very steady pace where you start to recognize when your motivation dips, that's when your brain is starting to run amok about something. So then it's just my role to notice, okay, I'm feeling very anxious about something because I'm not feeling motivated right now. I'm not feeling excited. Okay, what's happening around me, brain? That's the first place I always go, brain. I'm not being chased by a bear at the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are you doing? What are you noticing? What are you thinking? Okay, let's bring some consciousness there. Do I need to be agitated about this? No. Okay, I'm going to use my breath. I'm going to do my heart flow. Mm -hmm. Calm you down. Bring my critical thought back online. Feel my peacefulness. Feel my calm. Connect to how I want to feel. And now I can choose powerfully. I can still choose to do what was creating the anxiety. Maybe it was sugar. Maybe I still want to eat the cookie. That's okay. But it's creating the neural pathway to not let the brain stay locked in whatever it wants to be locked in in that moment, which is not necessary probably 99% of the time. Yeah, for sure. You know, we look at the correlation between... <clears throat> 70,000 thoughts mm. every 24 hours and how that corresponds with how many breaths we're taking per minute. So the more we breathe per minute, the more we trigger the brain into thought. Mm. We can slow the breath down to mm -hmm. three or four breaths a minute. You'll take those 70,000 thoughts and you'll cut them down to 35,000. So the, the more shallow our breathe is, our breath is, the more shallow we breathe only into the sympathetic nerve endings of the upper lungs rather than the parasympathetic nerve receptors of the lower lungs. We can begin to see that, hey, wow, I can have 70,000 thoughts every 24 hours. Hey, wow. The problem with that is 99% of them are the same thoughts as yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you're working with the mind, fundamentally you're working with your heart it's a feeling mm. yeah. and when you think about that it's so important when you're focused on 
quality over quantity. Yeah. You know, when you have a heart, when you have that empathy for yourself and others, you want to grow. It's so much more about how you feel about things. Hmm. And how can we shift from that doer into that beer? There's a spiritual saying in the Course in Miracles, I need do nothing. Hmm. And it doesn't mean you're lazy. It simply means that everything is being done for you. If you can just tune into that and get out of the way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a power to that for sure. <laughs> we just don't, we're not given access to playing with that in a way that makes sense in modern society to have that kind of faith in that, the trust, the belief that it's all right here and it all is divine in the way that it wants to guide us. We're so fixated yeah. on being the doers that it does, it goes against what society tells you about the hustle culture, the urgency of everything. I love that word guide because mm. I love I love to gently guide my mind. I don't order my mind on what to do. I, I give mm. it suggestions. I watch how it interacts. I try to guide my mind gently yeah. to, to where I would prefer it to go. And then who knows? But my intention, <laughs> my intention was to connect with something greater than what I was yesterday. Mm. Yeah, that state of growth. So, you know, You've added a, a, an amazing amount of simplicity to a bunch of complicated things in the last hour. But if I hear you correctly, it's get a hold of my breath. Feel better about myself. The thoughts will follow. And I can transform anything into a more peaceful, loving relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a six-step process I take all my clients through. I call it the Unleash Your Energy Roadmap. Yes. Right. I do have a PDF download for anybody. It's free. If any listener resonates with it, we can maybe link it to the yeah, show notes. We're going to have, we're going to have the bio and everything up. So folks yeah, can go on awesome. yeah. But it doesn't have to be difficult. I mean, the, the society, society wants it to be difficult because it feeds into our overconsumption of all the things that society would like us to overconsume. And it denies us the ability to work with the present moment as the place that we can live our own abundance. And, when we start to, one, start to pay attention to our own mind and notice some of the patterns, then you can go to step two, and that's practicing heart flow mm -hmm. to help your brain let go of one or two of those patterns. Step three is getting in touch with how you do want to feel now, because now you've got a, a new space. Your nervous system is always vibrating. So if you don't replace it with what you do want, it's going to vibrate uncertainty. So you want to bring in an emotion now that you have the space mm. to explore what you do want to feel like around your parents, around your siblings, around your kids, around your partner. You know, I like to work with relationships a lot. And also the reactivity to food is another area that I'm, I'm quite um, busy with. But it's the same. How do you want to look at food now in a way where you have space to embrace food in a whole new loving way? Yeah. Then it's a matter of steps five and six, which is the activation part. Now you're practicing and being disciplined with every day, all day long, noticing the trigger. And in those moments, continue to strengthen your ability to have peace around that trigger. And uh, six is uh, step six is just really about optimizing and celebrating because now you're in a new place and you have the capacity also to start to serve others with that energy and that's yeah. the ultimate what a what a power i don't think of i don't, can't think of any human being who wouldn't gain benefit from that you know when you're we all crave being in service because it is a natural instinct for us as human beings but there's an element of modern serving that is very much one of self-sabotage where we serve everybody else because we just don't have the capacity to deal with what's wrong with our own lives. And so we just give ourselves to everybody else. Mm -hmm. There is a way to do it where you get to work from your overflow, mm -hmm. your overflow of your self-love, which comes from your parasympathetic nervous system, your heart-centered interactions with life. You have an overflow that you're giving to others through co-regulation. And that's a feeling that I, 
I didn't even know was possible growing up or even into my 20s, 30s, and even into my 40s. I'm 50 now, and now I'm in a position where most of my time is spent in that engagement with others. And that's it's been the most fulfilling feeling I've ever had because I'm okay. I'm okay in my own mind and body and my own skin. My mind might try and tell me otherwise, but I know how to treat it with kindness and guide it out of there and back into the heart, which ultimately puts me in a position where I can serve at a higher level. And it's a great feeling. Well, geez, who doesn't need some Adam Hart in their life? <laughs> well, the frequency, so yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking some time out of your out of your life to share your wisdom, you know, with our audience. All the website and all the contact information, all the social media stuff will be up on this. And I just want to say thank you so much, Adam. It sounds like you're living your best life. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, I appreciate you. And thanks for uh, for making this happen. Appreciate sharing time with you. Thank you, my friend.